Episode number five zero. We made it. We made it to where? Five zero. <laughs> you know what's actually crazy is uh, we started digging deeper in the last Monday of January in 2022. Really? So this technically is the one year anniversary, even though it's only I episode 50. Know. Yeah. So there were then two weeks that we didn't. That we didn't do digging deeper. Yeah. One of them okay. was during the new year. Okay. Because yeah. we turned the digging deeper into like a yep. service. And then one we just didn't do. We just said, I yeah. don't want to do it this week. Yeah, there was something that okay. happened. Something came up. I don't remember. Well, this is a special episode. Yeah. Jean one and Brandon here for uh, episode 50. And Jean, we are in the Fully Human series. We are. And um, you got questions? I do. But, All right. <laughs> uh, I have more things I want to talk about than just the Fully Human series. All right. Um, in relation to this being a year, I wanted to give you a couple stats. Cool. From our podcast. Ooh. Just so everyone kind of knows what's been going on this year. All right. Uh, stat number one on our podcast app, we have had 2,337 downloads throughout the year. That's so cool. throughout 50 episodes. How many times during work hours did you download it just to boost that? Right. Number? A lot. I just had it on repeat <laughs> over and over and over. That's awesome. Um, so if you think, if you know, divide those numbers by 50, that's actually a really good um, number. And then YouTube, we've had 3,055 views on all yeah. together on all of them. That's so, awesome. so that ends up being about 5,300 Facebook. I don't know. Facebook's okay. terrible at metrics, yeah. but, uh, it's definitely our least watched one. Right. Um, but I mean, just those numbers, it's been kind of cool. And people are always talking about like, or it happens on this podcast a lot. They're always like, I don't know, like three people who are listening or whatever. No. Um, but there's a solid audience and there's a lot of people who listen weekly who after the fact will come to me and talk to me about stuff that was brought up on the podcast. That's cool. And that's cool. So, so should we say thank you? We should say thank you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for making this valuable for us to keep doing. Yeah. And um, yeah. And we also, we have the opportunity to comment on Facebook and YouTube. You can comment. So if you've been listening, if you've listened every week or you're faithful, or even if you have questions regarding any of the things we talk about or we talk about in the future, just leave a comment. Yeah. I get That'd access to them. I see them. I share them when I don't know what's going on. And so cool. um, please leave a comment. It's awesome. Another stat. Okay. Our most popular episodes on YouTube were one Roe versus Wade. Well, episode I, I wonder why. I don't know. I know. Okay. I know. So episode one was, was Roe versus Mariah Wade. And I? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. The second one, shocking, was Bible for Dummies, which was the last one you and Anthony did. So only oh. two weeks ago. Okay. And that was our second most watched one. Interesting. I think the title okay. Bible for Dummies probably caught people. Uh, it was a thing Anthony said in the middle of the podcast. And I'm like, that's the title. Yeah. That's going to be it. And then three is episode 16. So it was right after the Roe versus Wade one. Okay. And it was finding God's will for your life, which was me and Pete. Okay. Um, and not, you know, to call anyone and put anyone on blast. That was the episode Pete cried. And uh, so I think a okay. lot of people, uh, they didn't really involved. care about the content. Yeah, they, just they just wanted, wanted to see the see tears. From they Mr. wanted to Goodman. see it happen. All right. So that Pastor was on Pete in tears. That was on YouTube and on the podcast app, a balanced diet of love and judgment was number one. Okay. Number two was he must increase probably talking about John the Baptist or yeah. something. And then Roe versus Wade as well. Okay. So that's just, cool. Yeah. Just some that's fun cool. little stats, but I'm pretty sure episode 50, this one is going to just skyrocket to below, the top. below everything. Out of All the right. Way. Exactly. At least this week it'll be the most popular one. <laughs> yeah. Um, in that, is there a moment that sticks out from this last year from digging deeper? You know what? I, I, when Pete cried, that was, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that like, yeah, I, I appreciate the sincerity the of that moment. The vulnerability of, how he was, he of was, it. He was really talking about his daughter right. and, 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 you know, Pete and I are, you know, brother-in-laws. And so I kind of knew some of the things they were wrestling with, with uh, Kira and going to school. So, I mean, that was, 
that was a moment that was very touching yeah. and um, made me appreciate something that um, is not scripted and just mm-hmm. like, right. This is raw emotion. Yeah. Um, I really, and I, and I know I'm probably picking the episodes that were most popular, but like when Mariah and I did talk about Roe versus Wade, I, I was just very grateful that yeah. she was the one she on was, yeah. the <laughs> podcast. Cause I sat there and I was like, man, this, this, this girl is so incredibly insightful. And this is an important voice inside to hear in this debate right now. Uh, Mariah and I are pretty close. We lead a life group together and, yeah. and we've been friends for a very long time. Um, so I will say that what I appreciate about her and what is the most frustrating about her oh, yeah. is she thinks everything from conception yeah. to the death of it. Like what are the steps that are going to be needed? Um, what really are the potential good, pitfalls? I those are not very good terms. To I know, use I know, I know. When we were talking right, about Roe versus Wade, Wade bro. <laughs> I'm just saying like, uh, uh, from beginning to end, okay. uh, um, she thinks about all the possible missteps, everything that's going to be needed, everything, everything, any questions someone might have about it. She has an answer to. Um, so in yeah. the sense of the Roe versus Wade conversation, bro, I am so self-conscious right now about using that. Well, no, no, no. I just, I don't think Roe versus Wade is funny. I don't think it, like, yeah. you know, but I'm just like, no, I, I know, I know. Yeah. Just, I just feel like episode yes. 50 just got really awkward. <laughs> like, that yeah. was not a part of my plan there. And <laughs> I do apologize if that right. didn't make someone mad. See, this is how we started. We I know. Okay. Go with a bang. Okay. So, um, next thing this weekend, we had some pretty intense, um, not firsts, but a change in the way Rise City Church has done things. One, our marriage ministry launched a date night, yep. and the marriage ministry is kind of this new thing that's yep. getting live. Was this their first? This is their second event. Second right? event they've had. Right. Yep. First one of the year. Um, so we had the drive-by date night, and then we also had encounter, mm-hmm. which is we've done nights of worship and prayer before, but this one was like an experiment. This one was very like we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, far less programs right. and just. Holy Spirit, meet us in this place yeah. and you lead the way. Yeah. What does this mean? Was What was this weekend and what does it mean in the sense of where Rise City wants to go, hmm. you know, in the next year, um, since we, we are kind of experimenting and trying out new things? Um, and then what was the catalyst for trying these new events and things? The catalyst was the same for both. Um, it was the pandemic and taking time to evaluate where did we see some wins and successes through the pandemic in terms of how people responded, as well as where did we see some losses and where people took some hits? And one of the things that was exposed in the pandemic, we felt was seeing just the the rocky um, situation that a lot of marriages found themselves. And those things came to the surface throughout the pandemic, a lot of times being, uh, you know, sheltered in space, place or whatever. And, and so we said, we've got to do our best to try to figure out how we can rally around marriages more. Mm-hmm. So that was the um, launch of the marriage ministry. And then also uh, just in terms of, um, I don't think the pandemic brought the best out of the, uh, of the world in general, but I feel like Christians may have missed an opportunity mm-hmm. um, and just evaluating even our own church of saying, okay, did we see the fruit of the Holy Spirit exhibited more than deeds of the flesh? Right. And it felt like I, maybe it's just because sometimes negative things rise to the surface and are more memorable or stick right. with you. But it's like, man, there was a lot of deeds of the flesh. And what does that mean in terms of surrendering and submitting and being led by the Holy Spirit? And perhaps even in, as a church, we're not surrendering and really welcoming the the full leadership and surrender to the Holy Spirit. And so we wanted to say, let's, let's emphasize that more, not just emphasize it as like a teaching series or a program, but like for our leadership and for, for me personally and for us, like 
how do we say, Holy Spirit, let your will be done today mm-hmm. in my life. And and where I want to respond this way, Holy Spirit, help me uh, go your way. Or, or any of these different ways in which we can get caught into in church world, programming, making sure everything's ready to go, the schedule's set. And it's like, but more than anything, we want friendship with God yeah. and ultimately to to walk and follow him. And so, um, yeah, that really kind of probably is where those two events came from, but also just hopefully an, an attitude and disposition change. Yeah. And there's um, there's a couple of life groups right now who are like beta testing yeah. a new discipleship program. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I feel like there's been a lot that's kind of come out of, it took a little bit of stewing, I think. It did. And it then did. now... 2023 feels like there's a lot of like, hey, here's what we learned and here's what we want to go moving forward. Yeah, and, and some of it's tapping back into our roots as our 10-year uh, anniversary as a church. And, you know, the early stage of church planting is a lot of uh, research and development, right. chemistry lab, like you mix some things together, some things blow up, some things yeah. actually, you know, produce uh, something beneficial. Um, and I think that in the post-pandemic world, like things have changed. And so it's like, okay, let's let's go back to the drawing board. Let's, let's go back to the chemistry lab too and say, what are some things that we want to experiment with and and kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit that we had at the beginning and say, you know what, like we believe that there's value in consistency and even tradition. But we said from the very beginning when we started the church, we want to be consistently inconsistent. Right. And so I think we're leaning into some of the inconsistent things right now to see yeah. if those become consistent norms mm-hmm. and values of Rice City Church. Yeah, I um, I feel like what God has been working in me personally, like in my life, um, it's been this question or this statement, if you will, that in a lot of areas has been showing up. Um, and it's the idea that I want to be in more positions that if God doesn't show up, it leaves me embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Like I want to rely on him to such a point that like, if God doesn't show up, I look like (laughs) an idiot, you know, like, or whatever, like, um, whether it's, Hey, like, I feel like I need to pray for this person. And so I'm going to go up and I hope God gives me something. And if he doesn't, it's just going to be weird. Um, or is it a word of knowledge or is it whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like yesterday was a really cool opportunity because we had people lining the front of the stage yeah. um, Sunday night for those who are listening. And they were just there to pray for people. Yeah. And we said, hey, we're going to open it up for prayer. And worship went really quiet. And it was just a lot more like introspective. And if no one came up, that would have been so awkward. Like it would have been embarrassing, you know, yeah. or if uh, you had a moment of confession and if no one came to confess, that would be weird. Yeah. But we just trusted that what the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit has called us to do this or we feel led to yeah. do this. Um, and we just opened up room for the Holy Spirit to move. And I've heard a few stories um, of people who um, just were really touched by that night. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to keep kind of following up and hearing stories, but yeah. I mean, personally, you know, I, I know that one person talked about being prayed for with their shoulder being healed. Mm-hmm. Um, we had someone, uh, to me personally, make a pretty significant confession, mm-hmm. which I can't imagine holding on to what they were yeah. holding on to for as long as they were. Um, and just in general, like I, I just, I was reminded last night, I mean, the Lord invites us to be in his presence and to, to pray, to mm-hmm. ask, to knock, to yeah. seek. And I don't think a lot of times we're so we're so darn busy that we either don't pray for people because we're too busy or we don't take time to spend time praying to God because we're busy. And just say, here's an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But like people flourish in the presence of God, but they, they, they flourish also in the power and presence of prayer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was just a beautiful thing last night. That was a good reminder of like, why are we doing things like this more often? Yeah. <laughs> like this yeah. is where the power comes from. This is... 
the joy and the beauty yeah. and such. So it's yeah, good. it was, it was, it was great. Someone, um, like I was debriefing kind of with my wife over dinner and she was talking about, she was there and she, this was like very unnatural for her or not her common, yeah. you know, way she spends a Sunday night, um, which I feel like is the case for a lot of us. And she was just kind of dealing with some of the stuff she was wrestling with. And then someone came to her and was like, Hey, I feel like God wants me to tell you this. And it was like exactly what she needed to hear in that mm. moment. She said, she started crying. Like, yeah. so like stuff like, like just opening up the opportunity for that to happen yeah. is just, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome so, and scary. Yes. Terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. And yeah, sometimes you, some people are listening to this or watching this right now and they don't know what we're talking about. Like, wait, did, did Rise City Church? Like, what, what's, what's going on there? Like, we had a full on healing service and paintings. And no, there were kidding. no flags. <laughs> no, there was no <laughs> painting. But we were asking God for healing. Yeah. And it sounds like it happened. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Now we can dig deep into the message after all that. But Whatever I feel like there was so much that happened was. this weekend that was worth noting to not just like glance over. Um, so we talked about Jesus's childhood. Yep. That was the message kind yep. of Jesus from what age birth to maybe mid to late twenties right. is what yeah, we exactly. kind of highlighted before in, we jump into his, in 40 his, minutes. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. But you did, you did, you did a, a lot of like what was in the gospel, but then also what was said about the coming Messiah yep. and stuff like that. So I thought it was really good. Um, there wasn't as much, I was a little worried starting off because I was like, how much conjectures are going to be, you know, like <laughs> how much are we just going to be like, ah, he probably did that. But the amount of like prophecy and scripture and stuff like that was brought up. I thought it was handled really well, Thanks. which leads me into what was your childhood like from 12 to 18? Let's just say <laughs> like, what would you say? What were you like oh, during those years? Oh man, those were the years that they called me the beef. The beef. <laughs> My dad's name's Stu, and so my nickname became Beef Stu. <laughs> beef. So, like, seriously, I, I was I was a I was a huge jock. I love sports, still do. I, I played um, baseball through eighth grade, and then I played high school basketball and football. And, and everything I did was about trying to be better on the on the field um, or the court. And so I, I, I lifted a lot. My brother mm-hmm. jokes nice. around and says I had a nice diet of creatine or whatever, like creatine. Yeah, I yeah. was like trying to yeah, you sound always like ben hit the right weights. Now. And like, <laughs> yeah, right. Ben's um, bulking up. But yeah, 12 to 18 um, was just a lot of arrogance. Okay. A lot of growing up in a small town and actually being a big fish in a small town, which makes you think like you're a lot bigger fish than you are. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that being arrogant right now. I'm just, it was just yeah. like, I, I had the opportunity to do a lot of things in, in, in sports and mm-hmm. play and, and I let it go to my head. And so I, I feel like I, I ran over people. I treated people like crap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just, I, I, I bet in the classroom, I, I mean, I, I got good grades and did what mm-hmm. I was supposed to do. Cause I had this level of responsibility that I felt like that I always needed to keep to, but man, as a person, yeah. I look back in those years and my, some of my greatest regrets on decisions that I made in terms of relationships with, with women, words that I spoke to people uh, in class and derogatory things that I said to cut people down. Mm-hmm. Um, and also um, just an ugliness of my soul that I, I, I look back at and I'm like, I think that's why I have a, a deep fear of my kids hit that age because yeah. I just look back and th- those were years I was trying so much to figure out who I was that I was trying to do everything in every possible way to get attention. Yeah. And, um, and then it ended up with me getting arrested at 18 mm-hmm. and then 
met Jesus and yeah. things changed. So wow. yeah, I mean, yeah. 12 to 18 were, uh, <laughs> there's some great memories, yeah. but there were also things like, gosh, my character sucked. Mm-hmm. I think you could kind of hear that in some of the points you even made last yesterday mm. on Sunday during the message. Um, there was one point where you got pretty like um, intense, maybe. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, but you were just talking about not letting people's like charisma mm-hmm. outpace their character. And yeah. you were talking about with sports and stuff like that. And yeah. um, it felt like that was a moment where you were speaking from your heart. Um the whole time it feels like you're speaking from your heart, but there are some moments that seem to like sure. leap out a little bit more. Um, and so with what you're saying right now, it, it kind of, I kind of hear like, yeah. it's almost like you're talking to Brandon at 12 to, you know, 18, um, especially having the junior hire, the middle schoolers in yeah. service for second service. So yeah. um, I thought that was a cool moment. And I definitely hear a lot of those lessons you learned coming out in the way that you were speaking. Yeah. Um, what was the impact of your parents during that time when you were kind of going through that whole. I've always said my parents, my looking through it through like scriptural words, my parents were the best of the cocktail of grace and truth held mm. together by love. They wouldn't have necessarily looked at that from a scriptural right. lens, but when Jesus being the full embodiment of grace and truth, mm-hmm. uh, my mom was Miss Grace and my dad was Mr. Truth. Right. And so I felt like I did grow up in a, in a home that, I was very fortunate to be extended grace and leniency in times when I failed. Mm -hmm. But the grace was always coupled with truth. There was still discipline and consequences for my actions. So it wasn't just looked at as like, oh, you'll you'll figure this out. Like, but they always cultivated a home filled with conversation. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think sometimes people talk about, you know, authenticity or my vulnerability. Like, I don't think that's something I try to do. I just I just grew up where we had dinner around the table every single night. Didn't matter if it was at seven or eight o'clock p.m. Yeah. is once we got back from the you know sports practices, and we talked about anything and everything. And um, and so I think that the the openness of dialogue as well as the truth piece of my my parents were very much into getting good grades, mm-hmm. working hard, having to have a job, saying no to things or consequences, but at the same time. Um, yeah, I got in trouble a lot. And my mom at times would be the one, it caused friction probably between my mom and dad because my mom right. would be the one I'd come to and she'd <laughs> right. like say, well, don't tell your dad this. Right, and right. So, but my parents were super formative mm-hmm. and I, I gosh, I couldn't be more grateful for who right. I was raised by. Right. Yeah, it's, um, that I don't, I feel like it's so obvious saying it, but the importance of parenting, <laughs> like like in, in yeah. raising a kid. And, yeah. and I think a lot of people, they've, forgotten or it's dismissed or they don't, you know, they're just kind of like, well, you know, they're learning in school and church like or whatever, but like the necessity of parents to be there. Um, like, and I grew up in a time. That sounds so funny to say that I'm turning 43 <laughs> this week. So I just, I'm like having this week. A, yeah. Oh, Wednesday nice. I'm 43 oh, nice. and I'm just like, Whoa, that just, yeah. 40 didn't hit me weird. Yeah. 41, 40, 43 is like, I remember looking at people before they're like, they're old. Yeah. Like, I'm like, so like back in my time, but I, I, I did grow up when there was far less parental distraction. Right. And I think we now as parents in this living this generation, like, we battle the same things that frustrate our frustrates about our kids and, and their busyness and their distractions yeah. and all the things that, that vie for their attention. We have the exact same things we're dealing with. But like, you know, when I was a teenager, like, like, I don't know, just, there was no internet. Right. <laughs> there right. was no phones. There wasn't that stuff. So I just, 
I think it helped my parents have more of an undivided attention to yeah. parenting us. Yeah. I um that leads directly into what I want to talk about next. Um, but in order to get there, I'm gonna yeah. read just a little bit. Um, and I want to know your thoughts on it. Okay. Okay. It this is coming from a uh, website. I actually forgot the website, but um, it's talking about trust us. It's legit. Yeah, yeah. This is it's from uh, missioalliance.org. Okay. 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 So um, it says this. It commonly is visited website. Very commonly, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So is it likely that a father's church attendance or conversion to Christianity has more impact on a children than a mother? It's possible, but the data presents a more com- complex picture. One study from the mid-1990s found that 82% of adolescents identified their mother's influence as a positive factor in their spiritual development, while only 69 identified the father. Um, but then it also says later that... Um, Barna also found that among Christian adults in the United States who do not inherit their faith from birth, 68 identified their mother's faith faith as most influential compared to 46 for their father. But that is not to say that fathers have little influence. influence. Um, The research on faith and family showed that a father who have a close relationship with their children are more likely than distant dads to see their kids carry on the family's religious practices. Hmm. So, um, it was just interesting because I've heard multiple times and it's very taken for granted the idea that like if the father's not going to church, like, yeah, man, this is a bummer. Like, yeah, like we're going to try to raise these kids the best we can, but yeah. without the when father. When the dad or when the man, then yeah. you win the family. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the uh, statistics from like Barna and from Pew and all that seem to suggest it's not as drastic. It's still pretty important, um, but both parents together yeah. Obviously raising the kid is going to be the most effective way. Sure. Um, so what call to action, knowing that if the parent is actively and engagingly seeking Jesus and each other, that that is going to have a much larger impact on the family and the carrying on of the faith. Um, what call to action does that give us as Rice City Church? And then what does a call to action does it give specifically to the parents? So like one from like a uh, church standpoint of like ministry and and support, Mm -hmm. but then also one from a very like ground level, like parents at home. Like what are those call to actions knowing that? Well, I think for both the statistics, statistics indicate then your child's future spiritual trajectory does get affected by their early years. (laughs) Right. So, so you can't dismiss and just think, Oh, someday my kid will figure this out on their own. And you know, they're all, we're all on our personal journeys and stuff like that. It's like, no, I think that we as a church and we as parents are called to be highly invested and intentional in the spiritual development of our children. Um, As far as a church, I think that's one of the reasons that we're trying to cultivate a a healthy marriage ministry here. Um, Because as marriages flourish, I think there's greater levels of, of comfort, of, a feeling of security and safety in the home. And that, that brings about a greater level of trust with what mom and dad are trying to advocate or encourage uh, the child to, to be raised uh, in and believe. And so as a church, we want to do everything we can to rally beside marriages. And even in, in times when, if the marriage does split, how do we still walk beside the mom and the dad and help them in this? Um, Because we think that parenting is such a big deal. Um, as far as the individual parent, I, I just think that like it's it's worth your time and your attention and your study and your discipline and your extra efforts to to lead the way spiritually that you're trying to get your kid to go. Yeah. 
oftentimes if you're trying to pass on something that you yourself are not living, kids sniff that out really quickly. Mm -hmm. And if you try to outsource something and say, well, I want you to be a Christian little Johnny or Susie and go to church, that's going to happen. But they don't see that from mom and dad. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's not saying God can't work in that dynamic. They Mm -hmm. can't eventually find mentors and stuff like that, but, but it's more caught than taught. Right. And I think that that just calls all of us to keep following Jesus closer and, and then to, to pass on something that's not foreign to us, but something that's so sincere and real and they see it in their everyday environments. What does a parent do? Or, uh, you know, this is just hype examples. Um, but like when the parent falls short, sure. we all do. Um, what do you think is an effective way for a parent to kind of be like, to talk to their kid through, Hey, I've told you to do this one thing. I acted in this way. Um, like where, what do you think I mean, the line is? Or part of the human experience is acknowledging where you missed the mark. That's, that's confession. Mm. Confession in its simplest term is, is, is admitting right? That that I'm not doing or saying the same thing as what Jesus calls me to do. To confess is like to be in agreement with what Jesus says. Well, when I miss it, just own it. Mm -hmm. You're teaching your kid even in that to be honest, to to put their trust in a God who forgives when you do miss the mark and don't live out the example that you're trying to ask them to. So I I think even in open, honest conversations, uh, confession, uh, acknowledging at times, I don't have the answer to that, but let me, let's go find that together. Mm-hmm. Those moments that we would label sometimes as like weakness, you are teaching your son or your daughter or your kids in that moment as you're being honest to keep searching, yeah. to keep being vulnerable and keep asking God to, to show up versus not acknowledging it, which is going to teach them indirectly or directly to to keep things within and to not confess, or maybe they'll get in trouble if they say this, or to try to act like they know more than what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, be real authentic as you live out your faith. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we underestimate the importance of showing just life, you know, like yeah. we feel like we need to be this perfect image and this, like this stone cold or, or this is what I believe. This is why I do it 100%. Um, but when we show that like, Hey, we're not perfect, but we're going to try still parent you anyway yeah. throughout that. Yeah. Um, don't John, I can't tell you how many times I've apologized to my kids. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I apologized last night to Shepard and then I end up apologizing again to this morning for something else. <laughs> like, I, I mean, am I, <laughs> I fail him all the time, mm-hmm. but I, I want him to know that I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I got too upset too quickly on that one. You know, this is, and you should make apologies and asking for forgiveness, a regular hmm. activity in your yeah. household. Yeah. You just, I mean, unless you're not making that. Right. Right. Unless you're not missing <laughs> the mark. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's important. Um, I'm going to end with this one, but I will say that um, I, my childhood wasn't the most ideal. Right. Um, and I feel like I, find myself often wishing I had even like discipline. (laughs) Like I wish I had, um, direction. Um, but I was able to find that through mentors and through people who decided I'm going to invest in this kid. Um, nonetheless, I still feel like within my peers, I'm probably five to 10 years behind them in regards to like, financial security in regards to uh, wisdom and decisions and so like I feel like people my age are just a little bit further ahead because they the, who grew up in a household with parents who are regularly directing them and stuff like mm. that um, so one that goes to show the importance of 
a parent, right? Yeah. Um, that they're going to be there because I'm kind of learning things the hard way and trudging through mud sometimes and it's frustrating. Um, but I've also got the resolve that I'm absolutely going to be there for my kids mm-hmm. no matter what. So um, there's a benefit to it. But what should the 12 to 18 year old do? Maybe who's attending Rice City Church, whose parents aren't following Jesus or who are going, you know, or or yeah. they can drop off at church. They do their weekly commitment and then life is completely different for the rest of the week. Like, what do you recommend for that kid um, yeah. to gain discipline yeah. and structure? And That's a good question. Discipleship. I think something that comes to mind initially is you and I, all of us at the end of the day are responsible for our pursuit or lack of pursuit of God. Mm-hmm. Now, do some people get a head start and advancement in that and have more ideal conditions for that to take place. Absolutely. Yeah. But at some point in everyone's life, like we can't, we can't blame our conditions for the reason that we don't end up where we feel like we should go. Yeah. So I'm not trying to minimize people's difficult scenarios. I'm just saying like, even at 12, like begin, right. The Bible talks about do not conform to the patterns of this world, but rather, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, shift Mm -hmm. your mind to say, yeah, this isn't the most ideal circumstances. I wish I had a mom and a dad that did this or a mom that did this or a dad. Like I wish, I wish, I wish, but I don't. Mm -hmm. So how can I? Yeah. And I think starting to shape that mindset of not feeling sorry for yourself. I mean, it's not to say God doesn't have care, empathy, pity, concern. He does. Yeah. But you still have the opportunity and the mental faculties to begin to say, I'm going to make the decision to want to pursue the Lord. And in doing that, like who are some of the people that you can begin to look to? I I think saying I'm going to be committed so long as I can get the transportation to be here. Mm. I I want to be involved in church on a weekly basis. I want to get engaged in a small group because even here at this church, we have dedicated small group leaders who weekly want to be there. So there that can help start to give you some more, hopefully mentors and people to do life with. Um, you know, we live in a time now where you can find digital mentors, yeah. like yeah. looking things up online, trying to learn different things and realizing maybe above all that is you have a fully available present and desiring to be in your life. Heavenly father mm-hmm. who says, cry out to me on these things, like come to me. And, and he wants to bring comfort. He wants to grow you. Uh, scriptures talk about times that he wants to discipline you so mm-hmm. that you wouldn't go that direction. Like, yeah. So don't underestimate also just the ability that in your, in your bedroom or in your daily walk or just in times in the classroom, like you can call on the name of your heavenly father yeah. and he, he's there for you. Um, but I do find, I think where you're an exception versus the norm. And I think it's commendable because and it speaks to the power of also having mentors step into your life. But like, there was something about you, John, that, that refused to let what happened to you be an excuse to what you'd eventually become. Mm -hmm. And, and I think there's a lot to learn from that. Like that there was something in you that said, I I desire something differently, but that's just not what's happened. So I, I, I'm going to go after the Lord nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what I would encourage. Yeah. And to be, be honoring to your mom and dad mm. or your caretakers. You don't need to like cut them down right. and talk about how bad they've done or how they miss Mark. But you can also be honest with people and tell them like, I yearn for this and desire this. W- will you help me? Mm. Like sometimes people don't have an awareness that there's even a need. They just assume. And so yeah. sometimes just 
making others aware that, that there's this void that you wish that could be filled. It gives people the opportunity then to step into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know for our, our team here on Rise City, like if we knew that there was someone who said, gosh, I just, I really want to grow in my faith. I just don't have anyone to look to. We're not gonna be like, all right, good luck. Right. <laughs> yeah. Know, we're gonna be, yeah. We, we would, we'd figure out how to rally people. We know people. So how can we yeah. get this person in that person's life and that? And yeah. So just, don't settle, mm-hmm. keep walking forward, but help others be aware of it so we can help you. Yeah. And it doesn't just fall for the 12 to 18 year old. I mean, yeah. within every ministry, there are incredible people. I'm talking specifically to Rise now. I know, I'm sure it's that way at other churches, but there are incredible people yeah, who've just made their time available um, and they want to mentor and walk beside. And yeah. um, the amount of people I've seen who have been partnered up with someone who just walks them through a journey um, has been so encouraging and awesome. And that's, that's what it is. It's just walking through the journey, the messy parts, the yep. high parts, the low parts. But that's that's the conversation I have. I just felt like it was a really good way to kind of dig into like the impact that Jesus's parents had to have had on him. Absolutely. But also like, how does that relate to today and, and the youth that we have? And um, even if you're an adult and you're listening and maybe you thought about serving, like the kids men would love you, the junior high, the high school ministry, um, they'd love to have you. Yep. Um, and I gave my life to Jesus in those years, <laughs> you know, like when I was 15 years old was when I really made that like, Oh, I'm going to, this is my life now. Yeah. Um, and it was through people, it was Jesus pursuing me, um, through the people of the church. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to make, I, you know, we start off this conversation with this, uh, just trying to, to lean into the Holy spirit. Right. I have this thought that's come to my mind. So I'm going to end the podcast with this, but it goes with what you're talking about of being involved, whether serving or not. One of the ways that you can make an investment in the life of of a teenager here at Rise City, we just found out, is we we believe that summer camp experience is a big Mm. deal in the life of students. Yes, absolutely. And right now, the continual raising cost of that camp experience is a barrier to some students. And so one of the ways that maybe you might not even, you might not even actually be at camp, but you can send a kid to camp. I'm just going to ask, like we're trying to figure out how to raise some money mm-hmm. to help provide scholarships and opportunities for more kids to go to camp. Yeah. And so if you want to give and say, I want to give to Rise City Church and write in the memo line and dedicate it to student camps, that money will go to scholarshiping a student who may not have a parent that even believes that they should go to summer camp. And yeah. so they don't, how are they going to come up with four or $500? Yeah. And so I'm just going to go for it and just yes. say, yeah. I want to raise money to send kids to summer camp. And if you want to help, that is a significant investment in the life of a teenager. So write a check and go online and just put student camps and uh, that's a way to help them. And I think even to stand in the gap where sometimes yeah. kids don't have yeah. those people that believe in them and help them take those next steps. I only went to camp through scholarships. So yeah. it was a huge, it shaped me, you know, there you go. so the so proofs in the pudding here on episode yep. 50 right yep. there. So, so we'll see what happens. Let's but yeah, happens. Um, first time we've ever tried to raise money on uh, <laughs> digging deeper. Right. So, so yeah. you're like, ah, yeah, that's my, so some people's last episode, but it's <laughs> yeah. fine. It's fine. It's all good. So, well, thanks so much for having this conversation. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. We'll catch you next week. This week is going to be Jesus was tempted in every way. Ooh, yes. It's going to be a good one. Yes. So, yeah, we'll have a good conversation next week. All See right. ya. Bye.